0: Let's turn our Bibles to the book of John, and John chapter 1, and familiar passages of Scripture again this evening, but really wanted to touch base on the thought, um, another attribute of God. As you notice, these past few um, few weeks, what we've been doing is really just, um, I guess, scraping the surface of who our God is. And there's, there's this thought, I, I think, that if, if we're not careful, we, could, we can just get accustomed to the attributes of God. And if we don't take the time to study it out, the time to, to actually observe why he possesses these attributes and, and how it differentiates him from, from any other being, um, you'll miss, you'll miss the, the tremendous blessing of getting to know your God. And when you pray tonight, you're going to be praying to a God that has this attribute. And this attribute this evening is really um, God's omniscience. God's omniscience. And so uh, um, let's turn to John chapter 1 if you're already there, verse 40, 46. John chapter 1, verse 46. Uh, let's get the context in verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46, And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Verse 47, Jesus makes this statement. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Imagine Jesus Christ saying that about you. In whom there is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou the Son of God, thou the King of Israel. In verse 50, I find it a little bit hilarious, the the response that Jesus Christ gives um, towards this statement um, that that Nathanael just gave to him. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under a fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angel angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so again, the, the thought for this evening is simply this the attribute of God, God's God's omniscience. God's omniscience. So let's pray. Father, as we delve into this subject this evening, and I know um, I know we've had a long day, but I pray, Lord, that you just help our our weariness to be put placed aside. And help us, Lord, to study the scriptures and see how this impacts our life. And Lord, just because um, we know facts, um, it's not enough. Help us to apply it. Help us, Lord, to see the, the blessings of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Omniscience means that God knows everything. Omniscience means that he not just knows everything that will come into fruition. He knows every possibility he effortlessly understands that and it's and it's equally as easy for him to know these facts to say that god is omniscient is to say that he possesses perfect knowledge god possesses perfect knowledge and therefore has no need to learn have you ever thought about that there's a we we had this youth camp a couple weeks ago and and we went we went through some of the processes of, of setting up a tent and to watch these boys never, never have a peg and put the peg on a 45-degree angle and drive it into the ground and watching them do it for the first time, it was hilarious. You say, why? Because they, they, were, they didn't know what they were doing. They, they were trying to hit it, but they, they'd hit the grass. They would, they'd hit their hand and they'd, they'd sort of get upset and just look around and to see if, if, if anybody saw them do that. It's a beautiful sight. If you've ever taught something to someone that has never done it before, it's a great thing. But understand this, as we sit here this evening, God's knowledge is perfect. He's never had to learn anything, and He'll never will. When, when, when God created the, the universe, He created this, this, this place we live in, He spoke the words. He, didn't, he wasn't surprised about what would come forth. you understand that? When he spoke the words, um, let there be light, he understood what light was. When he said, hey, when he took the dust to the ground and he formed man in his own image, Jesus, uh, God, and Jesus Christ, by the way, um, didn't, didn't have a sliver of doubt what it would come out. And sometimes what we do is we take this infinite knowledge and try to compel it and push it into a little box and say, okay, this is God. But the truth is, God does not need to learn. He already knows. Omniscience. It says this, but it's more than just no need to learn. It is to say that God has never learned and cannot learn. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to be, uh, we're going to be um, jumping into different passages of scripture tonight, but I won't be long this evening. That's what everyone says. Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll have some some great time in the Scriptures this evening. Verse, chapter 40, verse 9. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. O Zion, that bring us good tidings, get thee up into the high mountains of Jerusalem, and bring, uh, and bring us good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength, and lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord God will... Uh, will come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Verse 11. And he shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that, uh, that are with young, who hath measured the waters in the hollows of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Verse 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him in knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold. The nations are a drop of a bucket and are counted as small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. See, you can continue going on. on what, What the prophet was saying and what he was saying by the questions posed, it didn't need an answer. The truth was God did that. There was nobody that taught God. There's no one that directed God. What it was, was God in His omniscience, in His omniscience, in His all-knowing being, understood all. And thus, I think tonight it will be an encouraging thought for all of us this evening, knowing that your God knows all. It really compels me in, in separate ways, in different ways. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That even though we might not understand who, who God is in his entirety, and God does not reveal himself to his entirety to us, I don't think that's the point. The point is that we have Jesus Christ, and, and God has revealed himself through Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done. Um, I, was, I was meditating this week, and I was thinking about the, the time of transfiguration. Uh, do you remember who, who showed up during that time of transfiguration in front of the, the closest disciples of Jesus? Elijah and who? Moses. Who was Moses? Moses was the writer of the law, the Pentateuch, right? Who was Elijah? Yeah, he was the officer. He was, he was the represent, re- representative of all the prophets. And here you have Almost at the almost the last time that Jesus will, will speak to his disciples, showing them his glorified body. And there he appears with, with Elijah and Moses, and there he communes with them and they talk. And his disciples see that. Those three disciples see that. And you say, What's what's the whole big deal about that? Jesus Christ did not come to destroy the law, he came to fulfill the law. And what he was portraying to the disciples was that hey i'm not here to destroy it i'm here to fulfill it right and you say well, what's the big point understand this this evening first point if you like to write notes down having a god that is omniscient um, that has omniscience produces security it produces security in verse, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. When Jesus Christ talked, when he spoke, it wasn't just, just to fill up air. It wasn't just to fill up the Bible. What it was was him revealing to, to those around him who he was. And as he called Nathanael, as, as Philip called Nathanael and said, hey, uh, we found the Messiah. We, we found the person that Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy. Hey, it, he, he's the guy that, that, that the prophets were talking about. We found him, Jesus. And here what we have is, is, is that when Jesus saw Nathanael coming, he said this statement, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And that, that, that thought of no guile, Speaks to my heart. Do you know what that meant? You can't see guile. You can't. You can can pretend and you can see the outside of an individual, but when he says, in whom there is no guile, that meant that Jesus Christ saw the heart. God saw the heart of the individual, not just what he wore or when he went to church. He saw the heart and he could say, honestly, this man had no guile. What that means is that there was those without pretense without hypocrisy there was no hidden agendas in nathaniel's life there was no ulterior motives and when the, when when nathaniel heard these things he questioned who are you you can't make those statements how how do you know me and church understand this this evening having a Omniscience, a God with omniscience, gives you security because he knows you. He knows our frame and knows that we're just dust. And so when the next time when you're struggling in in the depravity of your sin, as a saved individual, God knows you. The next time you, you sit down and you... You try to figure out your finances and, and, and try to ask God, God, how, how am I going to do this this year? God knows you. God knows the intent of your heart when you send a text message or you, you speak your voice and, and you, you say a comment. He understands who you are. And so when, he, when you can recognize that your God is, a, is, is not just a God that is learning, he is learnt and he knows everything that gives you security. God knows me. And it may seem like I'm I, I, I'm saying these things because I want to be harsh to this individual, or it may seem that I'm just I'm just pulling the the, the, the the reins a little bit more on my kids, but the reason why I'm doing this is not for malice, it's not for anger, it's because I love them, and even if the whole world doesn't understand, God does. Doesn't that give you security? And as As Jesus Christ commented of uh, on on Nathaniel, indeed in whom there is no guile. He basically says, "I know you." If you um, again um, passages of Scripture, Matthew chapter six, verse verse twenty-five to thirty-three. I I read to you thirty-two. For all these, for after all these things, do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye ye have need of all these things. God knows me. God knows me at the point I need help. I've always always looked at Scripture in a way where if I placed myself in that position, he knew that's how much I could handle. What, what What if God left Peter to sink a little bit more to the point where he can't reach his hand. Have you ever thought about that? Why, why, didn't, why didn't Jesus Christ stop Peter when everything was going fine? Well, because he was all knowing, he's omniscient. He could see your limitations, he knows how much you can take. And even if we don't know how much we can take, God does. Therefore, we have security. Second point. And we'll move into this really quickly. Omniscience, omniscience, whatever you like to say, it just depends on how you say it, right? This is just like, I keep saying omniscience, like people say omniscience, all that stuff, right? But omniscience, please bear with me this evening. Uh, Omniscience produces sensitivity. Omniscience produces sensitivity. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 48. John chapter 1, verse 48, it says this. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Here in this verse, what we find is Nathanael asking a legitimate question. You make this statement about me. I don't know you, so how do you know me? When did you know me? And it's interesting how Jesus Christ doesn't just give him the answer of when. He gives him multiple indications of of how he knew him. First of all, Jesus Christ says this, Before that Philip called thee. Even before Philip called you, I already knew you. Wait, how, how did you know Philip called me? Because I'm omniscient Jesus pinpoints who called him, the location he was and the fact that he saw him and I think when we read these verses and it says before Philip called thee when, when thou was under the fig tree I saw thee um, the, the, the easiest thing is you can go to go to any Matthew, Henry, or you can go through a different um, Bible commentary and say, okay, um, what does it actually mean? What does this mean? And, and we'll go through some of the hard sayings that will happen later on. But um, what you have here is when, when, when he said, I saw thee, it, it's like when someone says, um, how are you? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that conversation with someone when when someone says, how are you? And you can do the one or two things. You can honestly say how you actually are. Or you can say, I'm good. Great. Fantastic. Had a great day today. But what the individual is actually asking you is saying, how are you? And when Jesus Christ said, before Philip, before Philip called you, I saw thee under the tree. And what a lot of theologians will say, um, they'll, they'll bring that to, to Malachi and say that a lot of the Israelites would go and sit under a tree and they'll pray under a fig tree specifically and they'll pray and have time with, and worship with God. Some theologians will say that. But when I believe he said, I saw thee, it's not just physically saw him, he saw him. Does that make any difference? I know who you are, and I knew where you were, and I know who called you. What that does for an individual um, is is provide a a sense of sensitivity. What does that mean, sensitivity? Let's turn to Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 it says, oh, the depth of the riches of both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Verse 35. Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. When, there's this, um, when someone's talking to you, this is, this is one of the things I learned in um, <laughs> the last couple of weeks, is that each and every one of us have, has a circle of influence. But this circle of influence is not stagnant. It's not, it's not static. It continues to shift. It continues to grow and diminish in different areas depending on the individual. When someone in my area, of, uh, in my in my I guess influence circle comes and talks to me. I'll drop things that are important to listen. Does that make sense? If if someone is is trusting in an individual, and that's what it is, it's trust. If someone trusts you, then they'll give you a, a level of influence in their life. When someone trusts you, do, do you know what they do? Is like when they trust you, then then you can influence them in a good way. And. Why are you trying to say this? I'm I'm trying to say this because when Jesus Christ revealed himself as an omniscient God to Nathaniel, this area of trust grew. And so when Jesus Christ speaks, he's listening. And so sometimes we think just because we're in a leadership position that we can speak and people will listen. In a sense, that will be the case. But that's different from influence. That's different from a person allowing you to influence their life. Why? Because they didn't, give you that, they didn't give you that trust. They didn't give you that responsibility. And so even if you have points that are valid in your mind and you speak it, it's still up to the individual to receive it. Does that make sense? And so what we need to do as, as leadership and as, as individuals that are trying to influence each other is really this. Understand our circle of influence and understand that that diminishes and that grows at the same time. And if we're not careful, we'll try to manipulate that and you can't. Trust is not earned or, or bought. It, it's, it's, it's not bought, it's earned. And thus you're influencing. And so you're saying, why, why are you talking about this in regard to sensitivity? When someone knows you, you trust them. Today, I talked to my mom, and my mom's currently in the Philippines. She's serving there with my dad, and she just took a break, and she gave me a call. She said a couple of things. If anybody else said those things to me that, were, that, that came out of another individual's mouth, I wouldn't have a bar of it. I wouldn't want to think about it. But because it came from my mom, she has influence in my life. And so I sat down, and I thought and meditated about it. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Omniscience in God's omniscience causes us, causes us, and produces sensitivity in our life. Thirdly, omniscience produces solace. Omniscience produces solace. Let's turn to John chapter 1, verse 50. Solace. John chapter 1, verse 50. It says this. After Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Thou shalt see greater things than then these omniscience produces solace. In 1 John 3, 19, it says this, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. 1 John three twenty one, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have, this, we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep his commandments and do these, those things that are pleasing in his sight. But notice again in, in verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. And what that does, church, if you understand that your God knows everything in this world. He knows your limitations. He knows your uprisings and your down sittings. He knows the pain that you're going through. He knows the strength that you have and the vigor and the zeal that you want to do, more things for God. He knows all those things. Therefore, therefore, you can live your life in solace, in peace. You don't understand me. God does. How many times have you heard that statement? Today we had someone come through the church, and I'll mention his name later on. And he spent 40 minutes with me. He sat down, and he spent 40 minutes with me. and we talked about Jesus. He tried to bring his religion into it, He tried to bring Roman Catholicism into it, and he tried to, to bring different thoughts and, and different mantras and different things that you could say, And, and what we did was just, what, what I did was just give the Bible. He goes. I don't know whether this is from the Bible or not. It could just be from tradition. But I went through the scriptures with him, and I showed him that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And 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 he looked at me in this face, and he was visibly. No, it doesn't happen all the time. You saw when he was out there. You know, it doesn't happen like this all the time, where someone is visibly shaken about their sin. The fact that I'm a sinner. The fact that I've been trying to save myself, visibly shaken, and turning around and, and saying to me, The only way someone can have peace is to know they received Jesus. This is a Catholic man sharing to me what I just shared to him through Scripture. He said, Did he receive Jesus Christ? No, he didn't. He was scared. So don't let fear stop you. He got the Scriptures. He got the opportunity. But the difference between me and him is that if I die tonight, I know I'll be with my Savior. And that is solace. That's peace. It's not the fact that, uh, okay, I have insurance, so my family will be taken care of. That's a great thing. And, and, and young adults, teenagers, make sure you organize that. But the thought is this. Whatever circumstance you're in, if God knows you, then you can have peace. Time and time again, I, I observe it. I see, I see people that lose friends, that lose family, and you talk with them afterwards, and they'll they'll be in a joyous state, and you're wondering why. The peace, the solace. Why? Because God knows. Isn't that great? Because God knows. Not only does it does it bring peace, it uh, produces solace. So, um, a lot um. Fourthly and lastly tonight. Knowing that God is omniscient produces security in my life. It produces sensitivity. It produces solace. But lastly, having an omniscient God causes me to walk soberly. Having an omniscient God causes me to walk soberly. In John chapter 151, it says this, and he saith unto him, he just told him, you, you'll see greater things, greater works than these. And he explains something. He says this in, in John chapter 151. And he saith unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And this verse often catches me off guard because I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, after this, after this circumstance, after Jesus actually um, calls Nathanael to become one of his disciples and eventually an apostle, I, I don't see that. I don't see him seeing the angels go up and down from heaven. And if you're not careful, you look at these things and say, oh, okay, um, that, that, that didn't really happen. There's an error in the scriptures. But in actual fact, what it's doing is what Jesus Christ is actually saying to this Israelite israel Israelite that knows the law, knows about the coming Messiah. He refers to a passage in Genesis chapter 28. Let's turn there and just see this quickly tonight. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28 verse 10. Genesis chapter 28. Verse 10, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, is that right? No, it's not. No, that was 29. 20. Verse 10, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Verse 11, and he lighted upon, upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones that are of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. Verse 12, Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, and he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it And to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and thee, and thee, and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And he continues on there, and later on in in, in verse, in 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 verse, um, later on in the passages, what we find is that in verse nineteen. He calls that place Bethel. He calls that place Bethel. And the, the thought is, is here, when, when Jesus Christ said those words to Nathaniel, he was referring to the passage in Genesis, um, Genesis chapter 28, where he was saying and, and reminding, reminding the promises, the covenant that was given to Israel that was still valid for, for all time. Until this happened, My promises is still there. I will send someone that will, by thee, the whole nation shall be blessed. And what that was pointing to, my friend, wasn't talking about the oil. It was talking about Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ made that statement to an Israelite, saying that he had no guile, basically he 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 was attaching himself to that promise. Hey, I'm he. I'm the one that you were waiting for. And these are the greatest things that you will see. And it's interesting if you notice what he says, um, what Jesus Christ says. He says, son of man. Every, every term that Nathaniel said about Jesus Christ, rabbi, son of God, those, were, those terms were, were very valid. Those terms were, were used in commonality. But when Jesus Christ turned around and he said, you'll see the son of man, Basically, what he was saying, and and obviously the book of John is to picture that Jesus Christ is eternal God, right? That's the purpose of the book of John. What you find is that when Jesus Christ said that, he was actually saying, you can know me about these titles, but in actual fact, I've humbled myself and it became like us. And you're looking for a messiah. That will destroy the Roman Empire. That will get Israel into a, a state where we're victorious again. But at this time, I'm not going to do that. This Messiah is going to be a suffering Messiah. And do you know why it, what it did was it allowed, it, uh, it allowed Nathaniel to, to walk soberly. Why? Because there's a purpose. There's a purpose in why we come to church. Church. There's a purpose why we pray. And as Jesus connects his ministry to the ministries of Jacob and and Abraham and Isaac, he basically said there is a purpose that will continue on. And now, because you're called of me, we're going to go do it together. I love the fact that we're we're, we're serving God together. It's not just your strength you're getting by. It's through Jesus you're getting by. Amen? When you travel with me, you travel with a purpose. When you travel with me, it causes you to walk soberly. Because he knows you. Because we can hide sin. In church, we do it often. We can hide and pretend to be someone we're not. But because we serve an omniscient God, we cannot hide from him. And that causes us to walk soberly. Psalms 32, verse 5, and I'll read it for you. Psalms thirty two, verse five, says this I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee, in a time when thou <coughs> mayest be found. Surely in the floods of, thy, oh, of great waters they shall not come nigh unto thee. Verse seven. Psalms 32, verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Psalms 139, verse 1. And passages I've always come to every time I, I've failed or I've done wrong. Psalms 139, verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off; thou compassest my path, my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. God knows you, and because God knows us, and God knows everything, it should encourage you. It should propel you. It should give you security. It should give you solace. It should give you. Um, An opportunity where you're, where, where you're, you're just so walking soberly. Because God knows me. And so I pray that the, this attribute, and we'll go through another attribute next week, and God willing, we'll continue on with the series. But, but understand that these attributes are not just fillers. They, 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 they. They're lights for you to understand who your God is, revealing a section of our God. That's, that it's, it's a beautiful sight. It's a beautiful thought. So if you've never studied the attributes of God, study them. Find out who your God is, who you pray to, and then grow from there. Because they do make a difference. These attributes actually make a difference in your life. And these are just some of them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll continue on with tonight. Thank you for listening so well. Father, um, I, again, thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you just help us to, again, see this, this attribute that you possess. And, 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 Father God, rest assured that you know who we are. and You know our limitations, but, Father, you also know um, our hidden sins and our hidden agendas. And as you revealed to Nathaniel, Father God, I, I pray that you help us to continue to, to desire to walk soberly um, in our life so that we can please you. And that, Father God, that we can bring most glory and most honor to you uh, with our life and we bring more people towards yourself and towards your son. Thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.